Hello, and welcome to Profit's Healthcare Changemakers podcast, where we'll be talking to leaders in healthcare who are focused on transforming their organizations to drive the next level of growth for their business and for healthcare. At Profit, we believe that the organizations that thrive in healthcare are those that dare to change the game, striving to improve human health, create better experiences, and make the best of care an enduring and sustainable reality for all. Those that will transform healthcare are the changemakers. And for this podcast, we want to focus on them. Our podcast dials into and recognizes the people behind the transformation and their journeys in changing the game one story at a time. Are you ready to dive in? Hello, everyone. My name is Lindsay Mosby. I will be the host of today's Profit Healthcare Transformers podcast. And I am absolutely delighted to be speaking with Dr. Chang, who is Chief Medical Officer with Medtronic Gastrointestinal. Yes? Yes, correct. (laughs) Yes. All right. Wonderful. Well, I'll hold with that much intro and let you do the much better and more complete two minutes on who you are, and then we'll just kind of dive into into the interview. Sure. So as you mentioned, I'm the Chief Medical Officer for the gastrointestinal business at Medtronic. I wear several different hats, so I'm still also active academically. I'm Assistant Professor of Medicine at Jefferson Health, and I'm an advanced endoscopist, which is a kind of subspecialty of gastroenterology there. I lead the Um, bariatric endoscopy program at the hospital. And I'm also very active on social media as well. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. So you're busy. That's what you're saying. Just a little bit. Just a little (laughs) bit. There's all manner of things to get into there, not the least of which is going to be your TikTok stardom <laughs> and strategy that I'm really interested to hear about. But maybe if we, maybe we'll start by just kind of taking a little bit of a step back. Would love to just know a little bit about how did you decide to do this? What were the early days that led you into thinking, this is what I want to do for the 12 to 14 hours of my day every day? I think to be honest, there were a couple of physicians in my family. My grandfather, who I've never met, was a surgeon kind of in the World War II era. I have some cousins who are in medicine. So that kind of runs in the family a little bit. So I had some exposure in that way. And then when it came to deciding what to pursue as a career, I felt like evaluating all the kind of common options that this really suited my personality and my interests in terms of wanting to help people, plus like being interested in science and wanting to advance science. So that's ultimately what I what took me into medicine. You know, I, I can't say that I was 100% sure, but I sort of discovered my passion along the way. And, and the truth of the matter is that medicine is just so diverse. Even with the exposure that I had, I was only getting, you know, slivers of what medicine was like in different corners of the profession. And ultimately, you know, I went through the whole kind of training process 15 years after high school (laughs) to get to be done with all of my training. And was it after high school? Yeah, after high school. You know, this was not going into gastroenterology was not something that I knew I was going to do from the from the start. It was truly a process of discovery through medical school and just going through the different rotations and evaluating all the different specialties and ultimately landed on gastroenterology because it's just such a, there's just so much variety in what we do, so many organs involved, so much technology with how things are becoming less invasive. And that innovation was really a big part of what led me to even advanced endoscopy, that subspecialty area that I practice in, because that's where a lot of the more complex procedures are and where there are a lot of new fun tools and gadgets that we get to use. 
And really a year ago was when I made the transition to becoming chief medical officer at Medtronic GI. And that was actually, in all honesty, a very unexpected transition. Um, I was approached with the opportunity and had to really think about, okay, is this what I want to do? Because I had trained so long to be a clinician. And I ultimately agreed to do it because I felt that kind of like what I was trying to do with social media all along was reach a wider audience and touch more people and have an impact at a population level. And so that really felt like a good, tangible way to do this was to be a part of the innovation process. And I agreed to do it only if I could continue practicing clinically, which is what made this a kind of a very interesting, unique hybrid opportunity, which isn't often seen out there. But it makes a lot of sense in my mind because here I am working with med tech medical devices. And if I'm not active clinically, I wonder if I'd be able to speak to what I'm doing you know, quite as well. So that's uh, ultimately kind of how I got here. <laughs> that resonates with me so much as, as someone who both enjoys the, the sort of helping the shape and craft strategy, but I don't know that I'm ever going to get to a point where I don't want to keep my hands in the work too, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So quite literally your hands in, in the work <laughs> for sure. But that, yeah, that makes total sense. And it's sort of like, how would we know what the latest and greatest was if we weren't actually actively working with it and using it and trying it and all of those things. Will you talk a little bit more about that? Talk about what you're seeing in terms of innovation, maybe within sort of med tech, but even across the ecosystem that you're in, how sometimes we in healthcare get kind of labeled as not moving fast enough or we're, you know, we're lagging behind and our experiences aren't as good as they should be or or not as good as they are in other industries. How are you seeing change happening there? And is there anything you're particularly excited about? Well, I can only speak for myself. So this is not on behalf of Medtronic or Jefferson for that matter. But really, I feel like we're at a pivotal moment where kind of big technology or digital you know, technologies are intersecting well with healthcare and delivery of patient care. I think in a way, the pandemic has also catalyzed that. I think things that just made sense in my mind, like telemedicine really didn't kind of take hold until the pandemic. And even just like the awareness of social media as a way to consume health information I think wasn't taken so seriously until until the pandemic happened because we clearly have can see how social media has played a role in shaping public opinion and have an impact on public health. So I think you know now that we realize that I think there will probably be more attention to that. But you know it still holds true that healthcare feels like transformation in healthcare feels slower than other industries. I think that it's, especially in the U.S., things are very complicated. And the fact that much of the world, I think, also relies on U.S. for innovation kind of makes it all that more complicated for the entire world. <laughs> but hopefully, you know, you know, we'll, we'll find solutions somewhere along the way. So let's talk a little bit about this social media presence that you that you have and that you're have cultivated and I can only assume want to continue to cultivate. How has that become a part of your practice and what do you see its role alongside the other two that you play? You know, that's a good question. I, I never felt like it was a primary goal of mine to have a social media presence. When I started out it was truly rooted in wanting to educate because I was this was, you know, a decade ago when I started seeing patients come into the hospital 
because of what they were hearing on the news or because or making clinical decisions based on what they were reading or, or seeing on TV and, and now through social media. And I felt like if we as health professionals weren't present on social media, then we wouldn't have a voice. Then it would be kind of dictated by people who didn't actually have any sort of relevant training. And, and so that's really where this all came about. And I started on Twitter really from a personal use standpoint. I'd been using other platforms even before Twitter, but kind of when I positioned myself professionally, it started on Twitter and then I transitioned or adopted other platforms, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok over the years. So I've been active in maintaining all of those. I think given time constraints, it's hard for me to devote more time to doing all of that. I feel like it could always be better, but kind of, as I mentioned, I think that there's going to be more attention to this in the future. And and I'm hoping that, you know, we'll be able to see this landscape evolve. But, you know, part of it is not only just transmission of knowledge, but I think it's just putting my personality out there has always been a goal of mine. I often get asked, do I have a separate professional account versus a personal account? And I feel that for me, it's important to showcase kind of the human aspects of me and not just the professional aspects. Because I always felt like people maybe saw healthcare or health professionals as intimidating or unapproachable. And by, you know, letting a little bit of our personalities shine, hopefully it'll reduce that distance with the patient. Yeah. Do you think, or is part of your hypothesis around being part of the social media universe, to your point is that you're able to reach more people. Have you seen that happening in any ways? And it could be directly like someone literally says, I saw you're this, that, or the other. I mean, access in healthcare is such a big deal, right? Your geography, your socioeconomic status, your gender, your race, all of those things may or may not help or hinder your ability to get the kind of care that you need and deserve. Do you feel like this is, that this particular medium is is offering some new ways to reach people that might have been harder to reach before? Um, Absolutely. And if so, I, mean, yeah. I think it's gotten to a point though, like now with more and more people having access to the internet and having access to mobile devices where it makes more sense than maybe it did 10, 15 years ago. I think that, yes, I definitely get a lot of, in the most tangible way, I've gotten feedback about how some of my content has influenced people to get screened for colon cancer. There was one particular TikTok where I was talking about a endoscopic weight loss procedure that isn't commonly done. And, you know, to be honest with you, I think that that isn't often promoted because the marketing budgets of the device companies that are involved are are small. And so they don't have the ability to reach people quite as easily. And in that one video, I referred so many people who are asking me where they could get this done to different centers across the U.S. And ultimately, some of these, the centers actually contacted me later. The physicians had told me that, you know, people had seen my TikTok and that's why they ultimately had a procedure done, which I thought was really great. But I think more importantly, just even providing more context to help understand what healthcare is about, to understand what it takes to become a physician and what the barriers are and how to navigate them and even other sort of more social justice related issues just to have a better understanding of social determinants of health. I think 
is really important just so people understand what plays into healthcare. It's not always just biology. Yeah, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that. I'm so lucky to know some really amazing people across the industry and a very dear friend of mine who is now with a large pharmaceutical was talking about sort of the, the reshaping of clinical trials even and how it's not just about what happens in the lab <laughs> that makes a medicine work or not work. It's all the stuff that happens in somebody's regular day-to-day life that makes something work or not. So how do you kind of balance that it is what it is, right? The biology of the body the cl- and what's clinically possible and this need to really start or continue to push behavioral change or motivation or, you know, do you see yourself prescribing differently than you might have used to by virtue of the fact that we are talking about the social determinants of health more. We are talking about equity and access more. Yeah, definitely. I think that there's, you know, lots of opportunities and just like how medicine has evolved over time, I think that having awareness of these issues will shape how we deliver patient care, how we design clinical trials, like you said, some of the new technologies that are coming out. You know, we have an opportunity now to actually incorporate our understanding and one thing that, especially with Medtronic gastroenterology, we have the first market sort of artificial intelligence powered polyp detection device to help with colorectal cancer screening. And I think with this recent development, it's an opportunity to make sure that we have that the right inputs into the data. Because, you know, I think there's been a lot of criticism of some artificial intelligence platforms out there in general, not just in healthcare, being biased. And if we can avoid that, because we're aware then, you know, that will really, you know, that could potentially affect health outcomes with what we're doing here. Absolutely. In your in your work these days with Medtronic and, and maybe even your clinical work with Jefferson, what are some of the things that are um, really exciting you or really lighting you up these days? For me, I'm always inspired by my peers and my colleagues, but I, since I'm in this unique position juggling or straddling two different worlds of industry and also academia, I'm hoping to see how to bridge the gap a little better. I feel like both sides would benefit from bridging the gap better. And I understand in the past maybe the reasons why we kind of had a much clearer delineation, but I think it's it's really stifling innovation if we don't if the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And, you know, it's interesting because before I joined Medtronic, I really had no concept of what goes on in the background to make a new technology come to market. And understanding those complexities, I think, really helps people appreciate what it takes and um, how to kind of overcome some of those barriers and how we can collaborate better. And I'm just excited to learn, you know, every day on the job, you know, about all the different aspects of this and and how the whole system comes together. I, I don't think that many of us, especially having gone through medical school, you know, we're taught a lot about disease and how to diagnose and treat it. But I think we have a long way to go to actually, you know, understanding the whole health system as the entire landscape and and not just academia. And and I don't want to point fingers and blame anyone for that lack of education. I think that part of it is when you're in academia and the faculty in academia are they're only accustomed to their world. That's what they're going to speak to. And and I think that. Now that uh, now that I'm in this role, hopefully, you know, part of my goals is to impart whatever learning I have to the next generation of physicians and to share what I'm learning with everyone. So hopefully I'll be able to do that 
maybe through social media too. <laughs> Sometimes uh, kind of in my role at Medtronic, I am involved in those business development conversations with startups. Outside of Medtronic to date, I haven't been quite as involved. I think before I joined Medtronic, I, I was a consultant to multiple companies and was maybe able to provide some input here or there. But I'm seeing a lot of my colleagues, especially those who are not involved in kind of a big publicly traded company with a lot of history, but are involved in getting involved in startups and other ventures. I think there are opportunities out there for people to do so. How are you helping to sort of push the boundaries? I really try to root everything I do in the purpose of what I'm doing. And, you know, I always go back to like, what exactly is our mission here? And not so much like short term goals, but maybe a longer term purpose that I'm striving for. And with that said, I think that I'm a big believer in sort of small incremental change rather than big disruption. (laughs) And I think part of why I've come to that conclusion is because, and maybe this will change over time, I don't know. But I think that when I look back at, you know, how I got to where I am today and kind of what I was able to do through social media. A lot of those decisions were me asking why I was doing this rather than, oh, I want to just get it done to get it done. And so now that I look back, a lot of those little changes or little decisions that I made, maybe even subconsciously along the way, kind of amounted to where I am today. And I know Steve Jobs has a quote about being able to connect the dots only when you look backwards and not when you move forwards. And I think that when you're rooted in that purpose, those dots will connect and eventually lead you to the transformation that you're trying to deliver. We talk a lot about that as well. Like, you know, change doesn't have to be overwhelming and sweeping, right? Like, especially with healthcare, I feel like we're all in this because we're playing the long game. And so I think it's great advice, right? Like, enjoy those small wins, take those small wins and add them up. Well, maybe this is sort of a similar line of query, but as you see a new wave of doctors coming and clinicians coming up behind you, as you look to people ahead of you, and now you've got people coming behind you, looking to you, what is your advice for the next wave of healthcare practitioners, whether they be in administration or whatever? Yeah, I think one thing is that something that's not popular may be an opportunity because it hasn't been done yet. (laughs) I think the social media thing was definitely me running with it because it wasn't popular at the time, and but I really believed in it. And so I think the corollary to that is, again, going back to your purpose. So if you feel strongly about something because you believe in it, then you know, I would let that be your driver. And it takes a lot of reflection. You know, you have to constantly be reminded because there's a lot of distractions along the way. And I see that a lot of people who go into social media these days or, or kind of use it as a tool often for self-promotion or because they want a lot of external validation with followers. And while that might be a good temporary driver, I think after a while that gets old. So, and you know, that sort of validation can often fizzle or kind of come in waves. So I think if you're rooted again in your, in a good purpose, everything will work out and it takes a lot of patience too. So people often see kind of my social media presence or my career, and it's kind of a cross section, a cross sectional view of, and in this moment in time of what it looks like, it looks like you know, so much has happened overnight, but really it's been something that's been developed over 
a decade, over you know longer than a decade. So it takes a lot of patience and kind of conviction over time. Yeah, if I kind of read between the lines of what I think I'm hearing you say is you really hit on it when you're like, if you're looking for self-validation, that part kind of wears off after a while. But then I feel like you've talked a lot about being of service at the end of the day, right? What's the point? of doing this? What's your, what's your purpose and who are you actually serving or who are we actually serving at the end of the day? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, I think that there are certain ways that self-promotion may actually help serve others. I think that, you know, when, when doctors and practices are promoting their practices and promoting what they have to offer, I think that that is something that could ultimately be beneficial to patients and to the healthcare kind of ecosystem as a whole. But I think that they just have to be very honest with themselves when they evaluate, you know, why they're on there, because you might not get immediate results. And sometimes those results, you know, will come over time. Love that. All right. Well, I see that we're about up at time. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And uh, yeah, I uh, wish you best of luck on all parts of your career and Definitely keep the TikTok going. <laughs> the more people try. Reviews, the better. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Profits Healthcare Transformers podcast. This podcast is produced by Jared Johnson and his wonderful team at Shift Forward Health. And a big thank you to our hosts, Priya and Asia, Lindsay Mosby, Paul Schrimpf, and Jeff Gorgie. If you liked today's episode, you can find more great content like this at profit.com slash thinking. I'm Anna Kuno, the senior editor of this podcast. Thank you for listening.